This show is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, the podcast where we discuss topics we believe requires critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at saythiscast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at saythiscast and go to saythiscast.com if you want to hear previous episodes. Let's say you're playing a video game, and in that video game, there is a country with a leader that the people of the country really fucking hate. Let's say he's a king, and the king becomes violently ill because of a highly infective virus, and he's close to death's door, and a lot of the people in this fictional environment hope that he dies. In a video game, of course, not in real life. Let's say that there are a lot of people in the public forum saying, Hey, great that this guy is sick. Hope he croaks. And every once in a while, you'll get a person who goes, Hey, maybe you shouldn't say that it's awesome that he croaks. And people are just fucking infuriated right off of the bat. Because they've heard this argument a thousand times. It goes something like this. The king is the king, no matter what he does, and therefore inherently deserves some certain level of respect from the people of the kingdom. And they respond, No. Do you remember when he set fire to the wheat fields of the neighboring kingdom and then the fire predictably skipped over to our corn fields and destroyed all of our corn? That sucked. The country has been, the kingdom, I mean, has been suffering ever since. And so, all of the people in the town square say that. And the guy who had a issue with it says, whoa, 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 all of that's true, okay? But hear me out. So I know that we're feeling all very open and free and happy in the town square, however, if you look to your side, you might see the town guards, and they're looking at us and taking note of each and every one of our names. Now, even though you and I both know that we are loyal to the state, he says with his fingers in something approximating quotation marks, maybe it would behoove us to be a little bit quieter about how we feel about our dear king who will maybe, hopefully, be departed by tomorrow evening. And maybe I shouldn't have to say this, but both of these people have a bit of a point now, don't they? People should be able to celebrate whatever the fuck they feel like celebrating in whatever tone they want to. But at the same time, there are some concerns that need to be taken into account. Uh, in terms of practicality. Hey, podcast people. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, your chaotic good podcast where we talk about things and stuff. I am not Nicole. Uh, <laughs> this is genre. I am joined by Nicole. Hey. And Andy. Hello. You say hi now. I did say hello. My God. <laughs> Starting off excellent. So we are here to talk about a bunch of things, including uh, what respectability politics and tone policing and tone mm. policing. So it should be an interesting conversation. Andy is actually the very first guest on the podcast. So Yay. congratulations. Round of applause. Thank you for being on the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we've been talking about this for a while. So what do we want to start off with first, Nick? Okay. So I was hoping that you two would have some opinions on this because I cannot tell um, one way or another. Tone policing and respectability politics are two things that are like deeply interconnected to me and have a lot to do with each other. But I don't know like which one stems from the other one, because I was thinking that we could start with the first one. I feel like probably respectability politics. Mm. Ooh, yeah, 
We could do that. Yeah, so we could start there. I wanted to do some definitions, though, because I wasn't sure if everybody listening to the podcast has the exact same definition since language is subjective and also terms that mean things are dead. So when we say respectability <laughs> politics, this is like the definition that I pulled from the internet is a form of moralistic discourse used by some prominent figures, leaders, or academics who are members of various marginalized groups. These people promote respectability politics, meaning maintain yourself in a certain way so as to look respectable to people from outside of the group and to adhere to standards from the outside group. And this attitude may be used to attempt to police some of their fellow group members. So... I got my opinions on that. Does everybody agree on that, though? Yeah, that seems about right. Yeah, sure. Cool. That sounds, I mean, generally when somebody says respectability respectability politics, (laughs) off to a great start. Like, my first thought is just, you know, a a discredited comedian, which we will not name, yelling at, like, young black men to pull up their pants with their hipping and their hollering. (sighs) Yeah, so that's like probably the most <laughs> popular example of respectability politics. Like, you know, yeah. the whole like black people don't wear hoodies, even if it's cold, wear pants that fit you perfectly. Hopefully they're high waisted so as not to show even a little bit of your boxer shorts. Never wear a do rag. Walk up straight, wear $7,000 suits at 100% of the time and always look people in the eye, but also don't look people in the eye because that might scare them. And also just always have a smile on your face so everybody knows that you are non-threatening. And for black women especially, it is straighten your goddamn hair if you want to work or go to school in a professional environment. Yeah. Yeah, and never ever get angry at anybody, even if it's like, you justified, know, completely justified. All that making sure that you don't scare people apart i don't know if i would put that in respectability politics as much as safety well (laughs) no it is related Um, though because like there's yeah they definitely are related yeah Yeah. they definitely are yeah one of the things that i wanted to point out at some point during this episode so this might be a good opportunity is that like respectability politics can come from like a good place or like a bad place and sometimes people give like one reason for telling somebody to like wear something or to dress a certain way or to act a certain way is because we live in a society where acting in a different way will get you hurt. And so there are a lot of people who will do that, who will say those types of things so that you don't get hurt. So like pull up your pants or don't wear a hoodie is the idea of woefully misguided people who think that you're going to get got if you do those things and you won't get got if you don't, you know? Well, there is the, I mean, there, there's also the talk that we get when we're kids the talk that i got that got drilled into me was if you're wearing a hood or sunglasses take them off when you go inside don't wear a hat inside if there's a cop treat them with more respect than anything or something like that you know yeah some of it is survival yeah so like survival tactics uh yeah so one thing that when we were talking about going into this topic one thing and um just so everybody knows I've known Andy for, Christ, um, a long time. We'll, uh, we'll say <laughs> and, uh, a long-ass time, yes. Yeah, a long-ass time. Uh, that's, a, that's a unit of measurement. Um, and one thing that she mentioned was my posture is screwed right now because of years of actually bending down so I don't seem as large because I'm a pretty big dude so i don't seem as tall or as have you watched b stars we talked about b stars we 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 know we're both furries now <laughs> you're lego she you're real life lego she i yeah this is the Actually, part yeah. where i'm like i don't know what b stars is don't worry we'll make you a furry later. it's fine it's yeah like, that's that's why that that's what like sort of like oh maybe i shouldn't say something if this is oh like, no, 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 no 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 it's okay it's a, wolf, your it's a wolf that likes to bottom um who makes himself small because he doesn't want to scare the herbivores <laughs> <laughs> wait he likes to bottom like she is definitely a bottom 
Oh I don't know. Gosh. He seems first to me. He uh, seems fiercely bottom. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Well, that's another. That's a whole. Other that, podcast that's, right yeah. That, that's another conversation. That's an, that's an entire conversation. <laughs> oh my god. Any anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, because when I was a teenager, before I started doing that, I actually noticed people being physically uncomfortable around me. If I spoke in a lower tone or if I got uh, upset or something, if I got loud or something like that, people would actually physically shrink away. So that is something that was drilled into me from a young age. That sort of changing physically how you are to a detriment in order to placate other people around you yeah um i think the thing of interest for me a lot of the time in conversations about like respectability politics is these days a lot of people kind of wholesale dismiss the idea of respectability politics or like anything that even like smells a little bit like respectability politics is being like just the worst not only ought we live in a world where it's not necessary but people shouldn't do it now even if it's for a functional reason so when you mention that i think about how it's like yeah that's fucked up that you had to do that and also like but in this respect, changing the way that you act serves a particular purpose, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's like, oh, it that, totally does. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the way that it has to be in order to live in a hostile society. Yeah. I think that's the nuance that people are missing about it. In terms of, I mean, if we lived in a perfect world, yeah, genre wouldn't have to slump over in order to, like, you know, not be an imposing large black dude. And it's one of those things that it's sort of a necessary survival tactic, but I think people are starting to wake up the fact that that's fucked up. Yeah. It actually took me a while to learn that that was fucked up. Oh, yeah. I mean. Like, I had it drilled in. Like, I was like, okay, so this is how I'm supposed to act. Cool. mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And especially, like, I live in a very, very, very white place, like, all my life. So, like, I grew up in Western Massachusetts. uh, So... It was, yeah. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I feel like if you are one of those people who are are black and raised in suburbia or pretty much in a predominantly white area, you get this harder than anybody else. Yeah, I can attest to that. Like, I live in the inner city, but I went to a school with, like, white people the entire time. It's hard to separate what I did because I was, like, in a white environment and socialized to, like, have more in common with them. But it's definitely mm-hmm. the case that I changed some things about the way that I interact with people in order to interact to like mesh with them better. And it's weird trying to entangle that. But to a certain degree, it was like also completely necessary for me to fit in when you're in a school and it is the way that it is. It's like, you know, you do have to adapt in some ways in order to not get like singled out, which is bad, but yeah. also like. Very much necessary. And also, I feel like people who are trying to dismiss wholesale um, the idea of respectability pro- uh, politics, I feel like the line between respectability politics and code switching gets lost a little bit. Mm. Because yeah. depending on how you look at it, just the way we adapt our behavior in order to... I, I hate to use survive because it's not like, you know, Lord of the Flies or anything, but in order to sort of survive, like being in all white environments, it takes a lot of code switching. We don't talk the same way as we would if we're just, you know, hanging out with each other. I talk very different from you guys than when I talk to anybody else. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same here. Same. <laughs> but like, yeah. I think that an interesting part of that is that for a lot of situations in a lot of ways, like code switching is a constant occurrence for human beings just in general. When I try and validate the idea of code switching and the idea of like, you know, changing your way of acting to be around people or something like that, something that I always come back to is like, it is okay to say, hey, babe, to like your significant other. But, like, you can't walk into a bar and slap your ass down on one of the bar stools, turn to somebody's girl and go, hey, babe. Like, they go, like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, you know? That's actually the example that Tanahasi Coates uses when people are asking him, like, why can't I say the N-word? And he's like, 
well, would you do would you do that? Like the example that you gave, like, would you call a stranger honey? Even like, yeah, code switching can be valuable as a tactic for like getting along in the world. And so is respectability politics. And at times, but like we've talked a lot about validating that sometimes it's like okay to change your behavior as like an individual to survive. But I think that there is also like the larger issue of it being used to police people's behavior. And sometimes that's tone policing, but sometimes it takes on other forms. So I think we could talk about that as well. If mm. you wanted to start us off, Andy. Sure. Um. Yeah, I think in terms of respectability politics, I feel like it could be classified as necessary code switching. But the problem with it is that the things that you're not supposed to be doing carry such a value judgment. Like, the ways you're not supposed to be behaving. You're not supposed to be behaving, quote-unquote, hood, or, quote-unquote, ghetto. The, the, the overwhelming disapproval of, like, both of those words, just, like, even in my head, it's just sort of like, oh, oh my god. <laughs> this is yeah. how you cannot be at all, as opposed to this is how you cannot be among certain yeah. subsections of the population and i feel that's that's the part that is kind of bs mm -hmm. also there's like this massive discrepancy between the way the members of the in-group and members of the out-group are allowed to act like mm -hmm. tad and france are allowed to beat the shit out of each other on the schoolyard and nobody ever calls them ghetto or low class or like other types of class insults in regards to their ability to like throw fists over like you took my yacht out tad and i didn't want you to like white people can act however they want and fight and like nobody will ever level the uh low the low class insult at them but if you fight and you're like a black person or you do something like that's like quote unquote low class the first thing anybody will say out of you is like you're they're ghetto they're like they're low class. They throw fists. They're violent. Like it says, like when you do things that are outside of the normal range of acceptable behavior, it says something about you. Whereas when white people do things that are outside of the range of acceptable behavior, it's just they did something outside of the range of acceptable behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, not even just they did something. You did something that reflects on you. You did something, something that, that reflects, reflects on, on race. Black people in general. We're always like not always, but like sometimes we're the representative of black culture. I would say yes, always. Mm, yeah. OK, but I was just thinking like when we're not around white people oh well then. yes <laughs> it's not always obviously we get a pass when you know um the the, the, the whites aren't looking but. yeah also there are like a, like also if you have like an understanding of of like you know if you know more than two black people you probably can put together that like there is a uh standard deviation of like niggas in existence like we're not all the same <laughs> but like <laughs> okay i need that to be an official measure somewhere the standard deviation hey. of niggas <laughs> it's like it, we'll enter that to the metric code somewhere <laughs> if you take the square square root of niggatry and you and you juxtapose and then you distribute it, with... it over the um the whole of i'm gonna ask you yeah, don't know what I'm going to ask um, Janie to do notation of that. <laughs> oh, my God. And Please do. She has, we'll a, she has a master's degree <laughs> in math. She's Wait, a mathematician. Like, she has a master's degree in bigotry? What's going on? In, in, in math. She is a mathematician. The things I ask her to do. <laughs> I, I want this to happen now. Yeah. Yes, I'm gonna I ask really her. want this to happen. I think that she's going to need a lot of explanation, but I'm going to make it happen. Good. <laughs> yeah, just make sure you label your axes in red, uh, green, and black. Yeah. Oh, Jesus <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You're so wrong. We are. Yeah. I said you specifically. What, me? <laughs> yeah, you. I, I said you. <laughs> I, I am not more wrong than my... Um, present company let me put it that way <laughs> which is I, I think why you invited me on today true Rick a run for money i'm just saying 
No, never. We didn't get to the same raw audacity of calling um, Lego Shi a bottom yet. So it's a race to the bottom here, but I'm still in the lead. <laughs> this is fair. I, I am new here. I'm trying to figure out where the bar is so I can... Oh, yeah. The bar is in it. hell. <laughs> the bar is in hell? Okay, then. <laughs> the bar is wrapped around the the Earth's core. If, yeah. Every once in a while, it's I'll go too bar, far and like we'll just cut it out. But like, feel free. <laughs> Sometimes. Standard Sometimes. deviation. Not usually. All right. Yep. <laughs> this is where we mm -hmm. are. So, uh, yeah, we don't need to, like, we have to worry about being the representative of, of black culture. Yeah. With, with people. And that sucks. I think that's where we were. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> that's where we yeah. started. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we're all individual people. We're all human. Like, yeah, sometimes people will fight. Sometimes people get angry. Um, one thing that bothers me a lot is when people say that, like, rioting is never the answer or some shit. Because it's like, yeah, no Yay. shit, bro. Like, no, rioting is never the answer. Like, it sucks to have to, like, do property damage and nobody wants to fucking do that shit. But also, humans are people. We have limits. You can only do so much to a person until they reach their limit. And it mm -hmm. seems like for people who are part of marginalized communities, that that limit is endless. There is no limit. The limit does not exist. This <laughs> um, is where the goals so keep like, moving. No matter what you do to black people, what conditions they're going through, how many people you kill, and how little you actually give out justice to the people who demand it, it's like, you know, violence is never the answer. And it's like, well... If you push a person towards a certain point, like, yeah, it becomes the answer. Children shouldn't hit each other. But at the same time, if you have two siblings and they're bothering each other, like, really, 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 really badly. Over time, one of them will hit the other one. And there are two lessons that you can teach them at that point. And they're both important. Number one, you probably shouldn't hit another person. But number two is talk shit, get hit. Like. <laughs> don't pu don't push people to that to the point where they snap. You knew that that was going to happen. Don't do that. You know, we're all people. And like, even though we can recognize that things that are being done are wrong, there's like a really thick difference between what is understandable and like what is correct, if that makes sense. And I, I yeah. feel like a lot of the people that are just sort of like, oh, you shouldn't be rioting. Oh, you shouldn't be looting regarding what's been happening this year. It's just sort of like. I think this was best explained in the meme I saw. It was just sort of like, oh, this is the wrong way to protest. And then they show all the peaceful protests that have been happening, like, in the past decade. Like, Colin Kaepernick and Black Lives Matter demonstrations when, you know, the police haven't goaded it into, like, rioting and looting. And it's just sort of like, well, y'all weren't paying attention to this. Yeah. Do we have your attention now? Yeah. Like, you push people to a point. They try to communicate what, like... When people strike back, it's very often not the first thing they tried to do to get attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is like a fundamental truth about people, I feel like. If a kid is hitting another kid, it probably wasn't their first thought. <laughs> Something happened. <laughs> yeah. We, like, in, in our society, I'm not going to say just people in general, but in our society, we don't really like to get violent. It's not our go-to move, you know? especially like in in america like that's in that's interesting because i think it's the opposite i think that we're one of the like of like the um post-industrial societies and probably mm -hmm. for a lot of the industri the industrial societies in the world we're one of the most violent ones like we are the ones who are who are very much aggro all well, the time well the, yes i mean but that's we're also the go that's the american like the country Mm. I'm talking no, about I also like, th I also think it's like a cultural predilection is aggression. Mm. <laughs> like I, I, I just, think that yeah. Yeah, I I don't I don't think that we go right to violence when there's an issue. I think well, that we are do. more likely to go there like in this country than in other countries. But I think like the first move, we don't Oh, we yeah, don't get not violence, but I think that aggression is our thing. We like oh, confront yeah, yeah. like we we revel in confrontation more than most countries do. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But I'm just thinking like we would yell at someone before just punching me in the face. Yeah, I think that that's fair to say of like most places. But yeah, yeah I definitely agree. So um, like so when you see someone that is rioting or 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 fighting or something like that, they probably tried either talking or or arguing or something before the actual physical violence happens yeah most people try and like get out of the situation if you see some people fighting it's like what happened before that did the person try to walk away how long was the altercation going for because everybody has a limit and it's different for everybody because again we're all individuals but if somebody's fighting or somebody's getting angry or yelling or something like that it's not always exactly an indication of the fact that they're a violent person it's just everybody has a fucking limit yeah yeah you can push anybody there i think that we have like a good baseline and we're kind of like transitioning to tone policing anyways would everybody be like comfortable if we switch to that topic sure yeah sure cool so another definition for the fine people at home which is all of us as well we're at home all three of us but also you (laughs) listeners we're not idiots yeah also (laughs) yeah Mm mm-hmm Tone policing, also tone, also known as tone trolling, tone argument, and tone fallacy, is an ad hominem, a personal attack, and an anti-debate tactic based on criticizing a person for expressing emotion. Tone policing detracts from the validity of a statement by attacking the tone in which it's presented rather than the message itself. I'm really conflicted about the topic of tone policing. On one end of the spectrum, it is a fallacy to hear somebody express a good point with emotion and to discount them because of the emotion behind the statement that is very much true in a perfect world we should always be um looking at the validity of people's statements i mean i'm somebody who gets angry all the time and nothing makes me angrier than when people will look past the passion in my voice and just go like oh you're so passionate oh you're like losing control oh and it's like it's just my voice i actually still am like keeping the thread like it's it's essentially saying that like you're stupid for getting emotional or that being emotional somehow takes away to your ability to also be logical which is also you know arguably um a misogynistic concept on its own at the same time i think that tone is a really important part of making arguments particularly to hostile audiences and so sometimes i hear people like going really hard on people And like somebody will say like, hey, do you think that this is the way to change their mind? And they're like, why are you tone policing me? I can say it however I want and they have to listen to me or else it's tone policing. And I'm just kind of like, but yeah, it'd be nice if they listened to you. But also people are stupid and like petty. (laughs) So like they might not, (laughs) you know, just like a couple minutes ago, you said that we're all at home and I was like, because because we're not idiots now people some people might take offense to that because i'm i'm being kind of insulting to people that have chosen not to not to stay home during a goddamn pandemic and, I and the said, important thing is yeah. chosen i mean this is obviously not aimed at people that have to be out of their houses right now exactly yeah um but that's uh that but I could have said, yeah, because we care about not being outside. But I, but I said, yeah, because we're not idiots. So someone could say, what do you you shouldn't make you should say that because it, it might make people upset. But I'm like, that's still a point that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't so. mean that you don't have a point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll see people on Twitter who are like pointlessly dunking on a chud and that's all they want from the interaction. Like they just want to make the other person look like weak and slovenly and just as bad as possible because they're like really not trying to get to the other person. They're a trying to put on a show for the people who read the tweet and are like, oh, man, this guy who um, hates trans people is an idiot. I don't want to be an idiot. So maybe I should rethink my opinion on trans people, you know? Just kind of going in on somebody in order to challenge the audience to realize how fucking stupid this person looks. It's pretty common. And a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's a really it is a demonstrably effective tactic at Mm -hmm. trying to stochastically get people thinking the correct way because people do react really dramatically to the concept of being shamed 
or like feeling like an idiot. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you'll have a lot of people who will go like, oh, that's not the way to change somebody's mind. Or, oh, ha, you could have come up with a much better way to say this. I mean, why do you why do you call this person this this name or a stupid or idiot or something like that? I mean, come on. And just really, really, really calmly, the person who called the other guy an idiot will just go like, I wasn't trying to change his fucking mind, you moron. Like, at the point where you're on Twitter, like, name-searching, like, trans people and, like, yelling at them for being trans or whatever, like, small crime they committed that day to this person's sensibilities, you can't change their mind. But there are going to be thousands of people, maybe, who read the tweet. And if you make them look really dumb, maybe they'll realize that the argument that the other person is also as dumb as the person appears right now. And so people will make the tone argument towards people who are not going for like an inviting or even like reasonable tone. They're going for a certain type of effect. I actually lost a friend for doing that on Facebook a couple of years ago. Ugh, I mean, I've lost friends for doing that, too. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Also, like, sometimes you want to blow off steam and be mean to people on the Internet for no reason. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, I had a reason for being mean on the internet. Somebody was genuinely being an ass, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I wasn't saying anything about your situation. I'm just saying there could be, like, any number of reasons why somebody wants to, like, dunk or be uncharitable or mean to somebody on the internet. Like, they could just be, like, tired. Like, maybe this, they looked up the sky and there was, like, one too many clouds and now they don't feel like having this conversation. They can react however the fuck they want to, but, like... That only goes to a point for me personally. I think that there are a lot of people who um, know what they're doing and have the intention to be belligerent or do whatever, and then they go out and do that, and that's fine. But there are a lot of people who will find relative normies or people who they probably shouldn't be super mean to, and then they'll go really hard on them. And sometimes other people will be like, why are you going so hard on this guy who doesn't seem like like it seems like they're just kind of lost. I think that maybe it would be like more productive to like not be terrible to them. And the other person will be like, well, they should be able to see the merits of my argument, even if I'm mean to them. And I'm like, they should. But also, like, imagine you say, my mom is a good person. And then somebody like runs from across the room towards you at like high speeds <laughs> and gives you every objective a metric by which your mother is not a good person. You get defensive. It's kind of like a human reaction. It's not correct, but it's it's um it's just it's understandable. Uh not necessarily justifiable, but it's definitely understandable. People get defensive. It's a thing that humans do. So it would behoove them to take a different tone for the purpose of pushing their ideas forward. And I think that this is like kind of like a difficult concept in the wild to spot like there's a difference between somebody who's being mean because they want to be mean or they know the person they're being mean to will never change their mind and a person who like genuinely just isn't a very effective political interlocutor um if that makes sense i think i was trying to get uh like a gauge of agreement or disagreements with my feeling that there's a difference between people pointlessly dunking on people because they a enjoy it and want to pointlessly dunk on a chud or b have some sort of big brain 4d chess appeal to the audience thing going on and when somebody is genuinely just kind of like angry and is going in on maybe somebody who they maybe shouldn't go in on or just has had a bad day and has decided that they're going to be really mean, but it's not good in terms of their goals for the conversation. I think what I ended on was me saying there are situations where people will be like dunking on a normie or something like somebody says something stupid, but they very clearly are just kind of ignorant. And somebody will go, oh, well, they're saying something stupid and it's tone policing to tell me not to correct them in the meanest way possible. And then everybody around them says, you could always not go as hard as physically humanly possible just because does that really advance our purposes forwards or like, is it just kind of what you want to do? And my red flag in those situations is when a person says, well, that person should be able to engage with the validity of my ideas no matter how I say it to them. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably true, but also I don't know if I would always engage with 
like even if I'm somebody who knows what um, tone policing is and doesn't agree that it's usually the right thing to do, I'm not sure if I could be told any argument in any tone and take it seriously, if you know what I mean. Well, I mean, there's also, and it's not like you're ever able to gauge anybody's intention towards either an accusation of tone policing or if how people are coming to an argument. Uh, but I feel like when tone policing is actively used as a silencing strategy, like, your argument is making me uncomfortable, therefore I am going to focus on everything but what you said in order to get the conversation back to a point where I'm comfortable. I feel like that part isn't valid. I agree. What I um, got in that moment was like the concept of ACAB. So like ACAB is all cops are bastards. And I feel like it gets really sticky because I think that the majority of good faith people can recognize that not every individual cop on their own in a vacuum by themselves, they wouldn't be a bad person out there in the vacuum of space. However, when you fit them into, like, the greater context of the police force, there is no option but to be a bastard, because even in situations where cops try and get the force to not do things that are terrible, or, like, try and be a whistleblower, their lives get ruined, or they get left in a dangerous situation with no backup, because everybody knows that Larry filed a fucking uh, use of force uh, complaint against... Jimbo, because Jimbo beat a bunch of black people just for fun one day. It's impossible for you to do good as a police officer because the institution halts you. Classic Jimbo. Classic Jimbo. That's Jeez. Officer Jimbo. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, yeah. he got dropped down from detective shit. Detective Jimbo. Detective Jimbo. Well, you see, that was that was the um. Actually, in this case, the use of of force complaint did end up in him getting demoted from detective, um, which is also why the first officer ended up getting a bunch of shit and eventually losing his job. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's every situation for every cop that's ever tried to do good in like the police organization. They get like, you can't do good and and continue to be a cop pretty much. Because if you turn on like the fraternal brotherhood of like the whatever the fuck police they will really like turn on you and like no uncertain terms cops do have a dangerous job in some respects so it actually is incredibly frightening when the most powerful group of gangsters in the uh, city or the town that you live in decide that you're the fucking devil incarnate you know so all cops are bastards isn't really necessarily an indictment of every individual cop as a human being in a vacuum it's an indictment of the type of people that the institution of the police allows them to be. There's no way to be good and be a cop. But that's however, the nuance most people, most people lose. Yeah, however, a lot of people, people who really make me mad, in response to people who like kind of say like, well, my uncle is a cop and he's not a bad person and so you must be bullshit. <laughs> a cab destroyed. Uh... Like, we'll say like, yeah, even your uncle, fuck off. And just kind of like leave it there. And police abuse statistics aside, uh, <laughs> mm. that probably isn't the right play. And what I was, the joke there was that their uncle probably does beat their wife and therefore is not a good person. Uh, um, but that's a joke between mm. you and me. Um, but statistically <laughs> likely, though. Statistically, it, I think over. Yeah, and that's just what's, and that's what they self-reported. So yeah, that's probably yeah. Way uh, higher, probably like so more like one hundred percent. I wouldn't say one hundred. Oh yeah, I'm doing the thing where I'm being um, hyperbolic for no reason, but like I, I also see. am making, a jo- <laughs> but I'm making a joke. Um, but anyways, oh, you make a joke. I got it. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't trying to be reasonable there. <laughs> but the thing is that a lot of people, in response to like being questioned about that or like having like bullshit like evidence to the contrary thrown at them constantly. We'll say, like, yeah, even your fucking uncle. Your uncle sucks. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the right way to go. I think that it is, if that person's uncle really is a good cop, which, like, balls up on in the air on that one, but let's say that they are. 
If you were to ask that guy, do you think that you're able to be like the best cop that you possibly can be with the current institution as it exists today? Or do you feel like you could be doing more if people weren't constantly telling you to go like harass petty drug dealers on the street and never pay attention to any actual crime that needs attention? And I'm pretty sure that any good cop that you would ever ask for would be like, yeah, no. Also, I get a lot of like, and also I never arrest people for like petty drug offenses because like, why would I want to ruin this guy's life over selling a dime bag, you know? And so like, that's the correct play, probably in most circumstances. But at the same time, like, ACAB as a statement is a pithy fucking statement, because you really couldn't get a movement energized around if your slogan was, all cops might not be bad people, but, you know, the institution makes them act terribly because of X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Z, like, no, that, ACAB. That doesn't fit into really fit a nice, yeah, it doesn't fit into a nice four-letter acronym that's easily pronounced. Yeah, and also, it's not incendiary. We live in an age of aesthetics. It's not, like, as incendiary as ACAB. If, like, we were being yeah. reasonable in, like, the way that we project our beliefs all of the time, like, it wouldn't be that helpful towards marketing the movement which is an important aspect of it what were you uh saying andy yeah well sorry. just oh no that's fine just my feelings on things like acab and just just who is saying it a lot of the time i feel like with tone policing there's a there's an aspect to it that's punching upwards if that makes sense um especially depending like okay the first example besides acab that comes to mind is People on Facebook are getting put into intern, quote unquote, internet jail if they, if any, any post or comment they make contains the words, men are trash. It's the same, it's the same situation. It's like women have. Damn, had, really? Yeah, yeah. No. But that's a factual statement. That is a factual statement. If you post, if you post men are trash in reaction to something, you know, it, it's an obvious hyperbolic statement. Obviously, not all men are trash, but if you're coming to it from, you know, having to exist as a woman in this society, yeah, it's 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 a form of blowing off steam. Yeah, it's like, and it's like <laughs> saying white people suck. Exactly, and people who are white or people who are men take that extremely personally. Mm hmm. And I feel like if you are attempting to censor somebody from that standpoint, that is where tone policing becomes unacceptable. When you're talking, like, maybe in a hyperbolic way, or maybe in a slightly insulting way, or maybe just an insulting way, but but saying that towards the towards a group that has more power in in society than you do, mm -hmm. and then they start saying you what are you doing that's really insulting and that's that's where you see a lot of tone policing is that what yes, you're saying yes that is what i'm saying and i feel like that aspect of it is not okay strong right. agree yeah yeah so the other example i was thinking was uh, uh calling someone racist because uh there's a i don't know if you guys remember the the jay smooth video about calling someone racist um like when you try to call someone, like if you say you're a racist, then people will be like, I'm not a racist. You don't know who I am, blah, you know, mm -hmm. and then you can say you can call what they did racist. And that would be that enters more into a conversation. But that's still like if you're like that, like the president is racist or something like that, which is a factual statement, then. Uh, people will come out of the woodwork saying like, "What? how dare you? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Um, one of the things that I like to um, fall back to in situations like that is it's like, you know, we can never know, like, the thoughts and opinions of another person 100% or their personal beliefs because like people lie all the time um and people don't know what their beliefs are but they'll like espouse things to that effect but if you add up the things that a person has done or a person or a person has said at a certain point you do have the right to call that person out as being x y or z 
And this is perhaps a disconnected thought, but I sometimes do have like qualms around when venting becomes a little bit more than just venting. So there are like situations where like people will legitimately believe like the pithy statements that people will make because they've never heard the actual reasonable position or like they just don't care to understand it. Like there are certain people who believe ACAB, but also either haven't heard or don't care about the reasoned explanation for why ACAB is reasonable. They just literally think that like that every cop is a bastard individually on their own till the end of time. Ah, taking the hyperbole literally. Taking the hyperbole literally. And some people do think that all men are like legitimately trash, to which I'm like, so A, like, right now that's not true. And then B, like, a whole lot of the behavior that gets men into trouble or makes them difficult to be around or compliment is a result of misogyny and their positioning within society. So it's a little bit wild to me personally for people to label somebody as being like literal trash for the socialization which a categorically unjust society has like done to them or taught them as acceptable behavior i always think it's a little bit more complicated than that so like people will have the tendency to sometimes take the hyperbole super 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 seriously and i think that it's important to a certain degree that we do enforce people trying to be able to at least explain the reasoning behind the hyperbolic statement not on command of course but just in general because like another situation is like and this one's spicy, but like, believe all women. Um, believe all women, all women is an important statement, but also it doesn't mean uncritically believe all women all of the time, no matter what, just because they're a woman. Like, take the, take the allegation seriously and like give them the benefit of the doubt. But if later you get information which conflicts with their account of the situation, like that shouldn't be discounted. And I think that I've been in a few situations where that has not been the behavior of the people involved in the situation. And that has been really irritating because it makes it harder to tell people to give people the benefit of the doubt or to like, you know, because just logically in the situation of sexual assault, it's like almost never going to be the victim who lies. Mm -hmm. Just statistically speaking, it's highly improbable. So it makes more sense logically to believe them, but also like say they did then turn on your braid for a second. Just just uh, thinking out loud. Nuance. Learn, learn you some. Yeah. So just like at the same time as I don't like tone placing, I sometimes do think that it's appropriate to try and enforce an understanding of the basic ideas that are being talked about because sometimes people will like skate by. And if you do too much of never ever tell people how to explain themselves or like figure out how to make what they're say to say what they're saying without the hyperbole, that um, people never hear it and thus believe things that are like patently unreasonable. So... I don't think it's a huge problem, but I do think that it would that it is um, a potential issue. I think that's a good place to to wrap up. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. And that's is. the episode. <laughs> yeah, and that's the episode. Usually, I'm more in, like I'm more upset when I say that's the episode. I know that's yeah. why I wanted. Ba-dum, 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 yeah. ba-dum. Hey. Ba- <laughs> <sighs> so that was a really great conversation about uh a lot of stuff but now we always talk about stuff that we we enjoy and stuff that has been making us happy over the last like couple weeks in between episodes. So uh, let's start with Andy. What has been making you happy? Ooh, okay. Um, so on Monday, I did something incredibly scary for me and it ended up being awesome. I had my first singing lesson. Yay. Which is awesome because I've been 
wanting that it's sort of been a bucket list thing for me and I was incredibly scared of it because I was under the impression that I couldn't really sing um and I think a lot of that was just me constantly being around singers that have had some kind of training and I have issues around that where you know if I'm not perfect at something at first then it's not worth doing <laughs> I think same <laughs> hey Mood. can you can you tell a gifted kid program alumni here um so, true <laughs> yeah so I had my first singing lesson and it was it was it was a little harrowing for me but the person I'm working with is just sort of like now nah, you, you you've got you've definitely got some confident issues and we're going to be working on that breathing but your voice itself is fine you're just you need to project more because you're afraid people are going to hear you and i'm like god damn it she's got a read on me that's a little Mm -hmm. unnerving but yeah i'm actually really excited because that makes sense yeah because uh, the person i'm working with is actually one of the people who plays star trek with me and she's awesome in general, but she's just sort of like, we're going to make this fun. I'm going to make this as silly as possible so you get over yourself. And a lot of your assignments for the next few weeks are going to be Disney songs. So I'm like, okay. Nice. She's like, I'm going to make you a Disney princess if it kills me. So I'm like, okay, I'm okay with this. So she's going to make a singer out of you? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm actually really excited about it. And yeah, that's my thing to share. Congratulations. Nice. Nicole, your turn. Hades. What's making you happy? Hades. Hades. Uh, so oh, my Hades husband's is playing a that. game by um, Supergiant Games, which is one of my favorite developers. Oh, um, Supergiant does uh, great work. Very, like, like yeah, I was going to say indie, but just, like, just generally. Um, they've made four games so far. So far. Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and Hades. And I love them all very de- dearly. Um, and Pyre is one of my favorite games ever. And so is Hades. Uh, Hades is a game about like the son of Hades trying to escape from the pits of hell to go find his um, mom. And shit ensues. It is a roguelike. And I don't usually like roguelikes, but this has been like a really fun game for me. Uh, the writing is really good. The music is really good. And like all of the characters are very cute and engaging. And one thing that I also really appreciate about it is in a uh, interview, one of the members of the development team or the story conceptualization team was talking about how like they have a pretty diverse roster of um, gods in uh, Hades. So like even though it's the Greek pantheon, there's a lot of racial diversity there. So like Dionysus is, uh, looks like Western Indian. Ares is dark skinned, like, you know, just kind of like a range of different types of like bodies and like nationalities and such. And what he was saying was, um, that even though it's like we're working in the Greek pantheon, that like there's no real reason why all of the characters should need to be white. Like, cause these are the gods of the world and the world exists outside of like Greece. And even though like the Grecian people did not realize that because they were, um, a early, uh, human society does not mean that we as developers can't like make this group of people more diverse. And so it is, and it's really cool. And I just love everything about the game very, very, very dearly. Um, shield is the best weapon. Yes. What's yes. making you happy, genre? Uh, so, um, sometimes I just go on Netflix, uh, to see if they have suggested anything, um, new or something like that. Usually the suggestions are crap, but this thing popped up, this show called Borgen, and I'm like, what? And it is a political drama about, about a, a uh, female Danish prime minister. It is a Danish show. Oh, I've heard uh, that show, <laughs> actually. Danish political drama. It's supposed to be really good. It is so good. It's blah. So I went through the first two seasons. I've gone through the first two seasons. They do have dubbing. So they do have voice actors dubbing. It's British English and uh, which is really great because I'm actually it's actually hard for me just to keep up with subtitles uh, because I'm a slower reader. So it's really it's really, really great. Uh, And in the actually in like the first or second episode of of I shouldn't have to say this, I mentioned that I liked 
of just political dramas because it's kind of this alternate reality where most of the people just want things to work. They want to pass laws and they don't and they're not like just completely like up their asses with trying to get power or something like that. Gee, what's that like? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like the West Wing or Madam Secretary or, you know, shows like that. So like surprisingly, Netflix actually su- suggested something that was very good. <laughs> so I've been watching that and it's just so very good. Uh, I got to the third season and unfortunately it is uh, not dubbed yet so i'm trying to get through it though um but yeah i highly highly suggest it uh just seeing how a uh a person that didn't think that they would get into power gets into power and what they do and how it it actually affects their personal life how it affects like their how their morals change how their worldview changes uh and it it just it does get kind of dark it is it is from Denmark, so <laughs> it is Scandinavian. So it does. There's some dark stuff that happens there, but it's it's just really really good. So I so I think that's really great. Um, so it's on Netflix. Like I said, it's called Borgen B O R G E N. I'll have a a a uh, link to that and a link to Hades in the show notes, uh, along with a couple other things that we mentioned during the episode. So, yeah. If you like political dramas, if you like like Madam Secretary, then then you would you probably would enjoy this. So thanks. Thanks, Andy, for being on the show. Oh, I I had a blast. (laughs) You had a you had a blast. I did. Thank you for having me. Yay. Yay. And thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, We really appreciate it. Like we said at the top, if you'd like to get in touch. Like we said at the top, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can uh, email us. That is saythiscast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us or DM us. That is at saythiscast on Twitter. And you can go to saythiscast.com. And there you'll be able to listen to past episodes and find links to subscribe to us on all the various uh, podcast services, including Amazon Podcasts. We just got on there. So check that out. And Nicole. Where can we find you online? You can find me at one and only one location, and that is Twitter at <laughs> Jack of Three Trades, and that is three, as in the number, and not the words. And not the words? It's no. the number. Three is in the number. It's the number three. Yes. Okay. Andy, mm-hmm. do you have any uh, places online that you would like to, uh, any projects that you're doing or, or uh, Twitter that you'd like to, to say or anything like that? Oh, well, um, the places that you can find me online that are <laughs> more or less open to the public, um, primarily it's Instagram, um, and also I have started streaming on Twitch again, just random games that I like, a lot of classic um, Super Nintendo stuff, some Stardew Valley, some Animal Crossing, and if you search for Anagram of Brat, that's me, that's it, that is me on every single platform, you will find me. <laughs> I am consistent. <laughs> you got the branding down. I do. <laughs> so Man, Anagram the, Brad. The only reason I took, like, I hyphenated my name when I got married is because I wanted that tea. Because I already had the branding concept. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, that tracks. That yep. definitely tracks. That is on brand for you. Yes, so, it is. <laughs> um, you can find, so you can find uh, any anagram of Brat, all one word. Uh, follow her on Twitch. Uh, the streams are really good. Um, go to Instagram. Uh, so and just Google anagram of Brat. You can find me on Twitter at Press Start Lock and on Twitch at press start morlock because twitter doesn't let me use more letters <clears throat> so uh we do a political stream every tuesday at 10 p.m every friday at 3 p.m both eastern standard time the best time zone ever created uh and andy's usually there just just being being a brat so yep. that's that's good. Um, so <laughs> mostly uh, trying wanna... to get get Jabra to crack up on stream. <laughs> so um, <laughs> hey, I'm good at it. 
Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah, so, uh, we have a couple ways that you can support uh, the show. You can go to ko-fi.com slash say this cast. That's our coffee there. You can make like a one-time uh, contribution to the show, help us uh, improve the website uh, and, and all that. We actually got Nicole a, a new pop filter and mic stand. So that's really awesome. Uh, that is ko-ficoffee.com slash say this cast. We also have a Patreon. We have a patron. Thank you, patron. And Yay! you can you can be a patron too. That is patreon.com slash say this cast. So go there. If we get people above the $10 a month line, then we'll start producing extra episodes, mini episodes where Nicole will just complain about different places. Which is something that I came up with before COVID, but now it's going to be extra bad. It's going to be just really... Yeah. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if we get uh, some... Uh, if, if we get a couple of people above the $10 a month uh, range, then you'll start hearing those. So um, patreon.com slash cast. All of our music is by Mustin, M-U-S-T-I-N. If you want to hear more of his music, go to store.mustinenterprises.com. And one more thing. Uh, if you go in the show notes of this episode or on our Twitter, again, that's at cast. you'll see a link to a listener survey. We would love to hear your opinions on a few things. It'll take just a couple minutes at most uh and it would be really really helpful we're gonna ask you about the composition of the show where you would like to the show to go from here and stuff like that so if you uh like the show if you're listening right now uh please go to those links the link is bit.ly slash say this survey b-i-t dot ly slash say this survey uh that's gonna run for the next two weeks so please 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 if you like the show please we would really love to hear from you bit.ly slash say this survey i shouldn't have to say this is a member of the planetside podcast network to learn more go to planetsidepodcasts.com God, how much older are we than, than Nicole? Depress me now. What? I said, how much older are we than you? Depress me now. So oh, I'm much. like 26. You're just 26. so much older. Oh my, oh my God. Just okay. so much. I try not to think about it, but... <laughs> oh God. It's just... Uh, yeah. I left my Geritol denture grip downstairs. Yeah, my cane's right here. It's all right. <laughs> that, you're, you don't use a cane because you're old. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs>